This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Inquiry is an art form. There is no formula, though it may start out that way. Julianne Ianello always says to new trainees that, initially we will ask you to stay within a box, color between the lines, so to speak. Learn the techniques the way they are designed until they become a part of you. Then, throw away the box, let your facilitation flow freely, led by presence and instinct. Meet each client exactly where they are and join them in their exploration. Be curious about what's really going on for them. Get yourself out of the way. Valeria Telles interviews Julianne Ianello, a non-dual and somatic inquiry facilitator, trainer, and speaker. Julianne came to non-dual and somatic inquiry because she was seeking relief from the emotional pain of developmental trauma, as well as physical pain and fatigue from a chronic health condition. Inquiry helped her to see that real freedom lies in facing and allowing everything she was trying to escape from. Non-dual and somatic inquiry is a safe, gentle way to explore our conscious and unconscious beliefs about ourselves and others. It involves directly facing and exploring our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings with a sense of openness and curiosity, and ultimately seeing that all we are ever experiencing are thoughts and feelings appearing in the present moment. When identification with those thoughts and feelings relaxes and we begin to accept and allow our present moment experience, we see that the peace and freedom we wanted was always here. It was just obscured. Julianne works with clients all over the world on virtually any topic, including spiritual seeking, stress, anxiety, depression, traumatic historical experiences, relationship issues, addiction, compulsion, and general unhappiness with ourselves and our lives. She does this through online sessions, deepening courses, workshops, and facilitator certification training. Those facing addiction are welcome to explore the Killabee Center's unique program. Julianne is a warm, compassionate, highly skilled, and effective facilitator and trainer. Meet Julianne at inquirewithjulianne.com. Here is the interview with Julianne Ianello. In your own words, who is Julianne Ianello? Well, I can talk about what I do. Um, I am an inquiry facilitator. I do somatic and non-dual inquiry, including um, the living inquiries and Killaby inquiries and some of my own version of inquiry. And more than that, I guess I'm just somebody who's just trying to be present to life, 
you know, as it is and take things as they come and explore my own experience, you know, in each moment as it happens. Uh, my second official question for you had to be this one. What is life? Not what life is about, the meaning of life, but what is this called life? I think life is just a series of experiences. We identify with some and we don't identify with others. And it's just experience. It's breath happening. It's movement happening. It's, you know, thought happening. It's emotions. It's sensations. It's experiences. Experiences, right. Is there anything beyond experience from your perspective? Have you found anything? I mean, there's beliefs, Right. I bet, but that's part of experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we might have beliefs that are true or not true. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's just like everything is just is what's happening, what's mm. happening in the moment. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how else to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a um, question that I often reflect upon. Like, what is beyond? Is there something beyond experience? Uh, I have not found yet an answer for yeah, that. Yeah, I, I haven't it. either. It's a great question. Certainly worth exploring. Yeah, <laughs> right? And purpose and meaning. Do you see any purpose and meaning in the experiences we have? It's a really interesting question. And the way, the way I'm going to answer that is we. I've even inquired myself and, and inquired with other people into meaning, you know, what, what is meaning and where it, can we actually find meaning on anything, you know, on any thoughts or any sensations or any experiences? Like, can we actually literally find the meaning on it? It's part of the unfindable inquiry. Mm. And, you know, when, when meaning can't be found, then that's where just presence is. That's where just life is happening as it is. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we, we search for meaning. We certainly do, you know, it's, it's to make life worth living and, and feel like we're having a meaningful life. And even that can be explored with inquiry. And for me, that's where the real freedom is, is, is like not needing to get to a certain place or have something happen or, or for anything really to be different right. than it is. And I heard something that somebody said or wrote, I think it was by Robert Wolf. He said something about in his book, Emptiness, I don't have a life, I am life. Mm. That resonated with me. Yeah, nice. Talk to me for a moment about the sense of me, of I, Julianne. How did that happen? And is that when we have that sense of meaning and purpose, when we are attached or in the, in the midst of the I in me? It's funny, you know, I were just talking about this. You know, how did the sense of how did me the identification happen? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's a conditioned response. You know, we're born, and you know, I don't know that we're actually born with that sense of me. I think we have to learn that. Mm, right, but the way I work right. with that now is like we can all feel that sense of a self here, right? That sense that I yeah. know is me. It might be a feeling. It might be just this sense, like that's me. Right. So there's an yeah. identification there. Right. And that's who, who and what we what we think we are. But then when we can examine that and start exploring that, is it really right? right? That's really the question. Is it is really is what I think I am really what I am? Mm. Right. And so for me, that sense of me is just a felt sense of meanness. Right. And meanness usually in relation to something else. Right. So another person or mm. our environment or, you know, 
whatever experiences that we're having. Mm. And so uh, with another facilitator, um, he and I are actually starting to explore more and work with this sense of me Mm. more deeply, just really exploring it more deeply. Wow, I love what he just said. So the means always in relationship with something. It has to, to have a relationship with something else in order to become the me. Right, in order to exist, in order to exist, right? You know, I realize I have been observing like how it works <laughs> with this. <laughs> and I see that like now it's just, there's just speaking here. There's no sense of me, but just speaking. I hear the speaking, the voice, and the, the hand moving, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes to emotions, then I feel that this here kind of owns. It, there's a tendency of owning emotions yeah. and feelings, right? Does it happen right. to you too? Oh, yeah. Right. That sense of ownership. Yeah. My fear, my anger, right. even my love, right? Yeah. So even the positive emotions, right? Yeah. So noticing like that sense of ownership of that, you know, where does that come in? Where is this sense of me in relation mm. to the emotion? Mm. Are they are they merged? Are they together? Are they separate somehow? So just really being curious about that and exploring that's really all inquiry is. It's just an exploration. Oh, I do have a lot of questions about what you do because I love this. <laughs> the idea yeah. of exploring more of the unknown, which it seems like this is the unknown. So how can we somehow explore the unknown from a place that's not knowable, that's not knowledge? It's just curiosity, as you said. I love that word. Yeah. yeah. So in the, um, in the Killaby inquiries and the living inquiries that we do, we start with the foundation of natural rest. So that's really just bringing ourselves out of the thoughts and out of the mind stream and just coming to a place of resting where we're not trying, actually trying to do anything, right? It's just like, can we be fully present to what's here right now and examine it with that sense of curiosity, right? Is it really what we think it is basically is what it comes down to. And, you know, we have lots of ways to mine and dig deeper into the unconscious stories and unconscious beliefs that are holding identification in place, that is holding suffering in place, even physical and any emotional pain. Um, We've got ways to kind of explore that, but all from this place of what we call natural rest. You are a non-dual and somatic inquiry facilitator and trainer. How did you discover this modality? And how would you describe, you have been describing actually how, but I'll be asking you more questions about it. How did you come to these understandings beyond or before the practice of non-dual and somatic inquiry, Julianne? Well, You know, I was interested in a lot of um, holistic work for a long time. I used to do energy healing, all sorts of Reiki, reconnection, all sorts of different um, energy, you know, chakra balancing, all sorts of things. And they were great, but they still, I felt like I was still searching for something. I still wasn't Mm. getting what I was looking for. And um, I came across non-dual teachings and I followed several non-dual teachers for a long time. And it felt like, oh, this is it. This is, this is the answer to my question, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is going to bring me there. This is going to end all my suffering. (laughs) (laughs) Haha, is what I thought. (laughs) Yes. Um, Tell me about it. (laughs) And then somewhere along the way, you know, I found Scott Killaby and he had developed these inquiries these inquiry methods, the living inquiries. And um, that really felt like it was just life-changing for me. 
to be able to actually inquire into my my direct experience and my unconscious beliefs like that's that really is where is what I wanted more than anything and so I became more involved in that community um I became a trainer of that work um eventually we opened and this is I'm really cutting this short <laughs> we opened we end, eventually we opened the Killaby Center for Recovery where we work for um we work with addiction and you know all sorts of things suffering of any kind um and that's in Rancho Mirage California and so I I still do that I still work there I still run that program but I also still am in private practice and still do um facilitator training in the in this work I'm not sure if I'm really answering your question here. What was yes, that? yeah, you did. Um, absolutely. I have more questions about the non-dual somatic inquiry. But before that, let me ask you another question. Yeah, in this moment, do you still have the sense of not being there, still searching for something or trying to find something, or that has ended completely? That stopped for me a bunch of years ago when I was doing the unfindable inquiry. I was looking for enlightenment. Yeah. Right. Because that's the thing I was chasing so desperately because I thought, oh, if I'm only enlightened, then I will never feel pain again. Right. And so every if everything's unfindable, <laughs> then even even enlightenment. So I did this mm-hmm. unfindable inquiry on enlightenment, the thing that I was chasing. And I looked at, you know, all my ideas about what it would be like and all the teachers and all the satsangs and, you know, everything, yeah. all my videos and, you know, yeah. <laughs> everything that I had done. And even those yeah. feelings of that I've experienced of no self, you know, and then self coming back and just the openings mm-hmm. and the spaciousness and the peace and the bliss. And using this process, none of it was this thing called enlightenment. It couldn't be found. Right. And at first I was like really angry. <laughs> <laughs> when I really saw that and that <laughs> dropped, I was really mad. Like, I'm kidding me? I spent all these years looking for something that doesn't even exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then yeah. And then of course that, you know, that started to relax. But mm-hmm. um yeah, for me when when I couldn't find the thing I was chasing, the seeking for it stopped. I have to say I can't say that, you know, seeking for everything hasn't s- stopped. Like, you know, I have I have a chronic health issue, and so there are times that seeking to feel better certainly can come back. Right. Right. But I have these tools that I can use to help me with that and any stories that I have around that. Yeah, that seems to be a different kind of seeking. It's a different kind of seeking. Yeah, well-being, the body being well. Yeah. In the sense of looking for heaven or looking for the, um, let's say, the continuation, the afterlife, enlightenment, that has ended that has that has ended, yeah. And and I have to say, mm. it's it's certainly not what I thought it was, right? Yeah. And I can't I can't even say that I'm enlightened, even if there were such a thing. Like, because mm. there's certainly times that I still identify as, yep, there's a me here, there's a self here, and there's suffering here. It's just not a problem anymore when it when mm. that does come back, right? So that sounds to me like liberation. <laughs> that it's when suffering arises, but it's not my suffering. That sounds like everything that's happening, but it's not mine. There's no ownership of what is happening, of life. That resonates. Yeah. I mean, that is liberation. And I can't say that there's never a sense of ownership of of it. You know, I can certainly feel like, oh yeah, this is my suffering. But even when, even when identification as that comes back, it's like, oh, okay. 
here's a me again, so what? No big deal, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's this uh, realization that there is suffering and then um, perhaps that quick grabbing grasp of I am suffering and then also the realization that there's no one here to suffer. So if they all come together, that really sounds to me because as we talked off record, non-duality includes duality. It's that dance of realizing something that's happening that uh, it's unknowable, but it seems to be knowable. And it seems to be, that's the key word, it seems to me, appears to be real. It seems like it's real and unreal at the same time, true and not true. The paradox, right? Yeah, like like it's happening, but there's nothing, you know, there's nothing saying it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, right. And sometimes when there is something saying it shouldn't be happening, that's okay too. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Well, the question is, like, how far can we get beyond trying to manage suffering and suffering less and realizing that there's no one here to suffer or detach pretty fast when it comes? Beyond that, I'm wondering if there is something else in a sense of this being real, actually, in general being real, because it seems like it's a dreamlike reality. Whatever that's happening now, it's like dreaming, but it feels so real, like within a dream, when we're dreaming at night, we don't question that. We don't question that that's not real. We think it is real. So this is, it's similar to me. It is. And I think, you know, I think we can inquire into all of that and and really just anything and everything and, and why not? You know, yeah. Why not? <laughs> like, why not? Why? Why? I remember why? hearing Scott say once, like, <laughs> "Why not inquire? Why not have more freedom? Why not?" You know, oh, more freedom, right? <laughs> so why not? You know, because if there's anything holding us back yeah. in any way, why not explore it? Be curious about it. Let's mm. let's check it out. See what's really going on there. See what the beliefs are that are still holding on. And yeah, or oh, might be just that. Uh, some people, they, they direct the focus of their consciousness or whatever it's in them that's navigating this to the physical reality, right? They just are concerned with cars mm-hmm. and house and safety. And some of us are just interested in different things. Like I want to explore the unknown. I want to explore yeah. the invisible, the impossible. And and the inner, the inner world. Right. Like yep. I've always, even as a child, I was always really curious about what makes people tick. You know, why do bad things happen, you know, to some people and not others? Why do people do bad things? You know, this is what I was thinking as a child and what makes them tick? And, you know, for me, this is the answer. This is it right here. Yeah. We use the term deficiency stories, right? We have have negative self-beliefs. Right. And so, and that's typically based on, you know, things that have happened to us. Children tend to internalize you know, what happens to us. So we, we take on these stories, like my, what I call my core deficiency story is I'm not good enough. And, you know, I've been, I've been looking at that with inquiry for Hmm. what, 12 or 14 years and it can still come up. It it, it came up before this interview because I was a little nervous, like, oh, there's that story again. It falls much easier when I look at it directly now than it did, you know, when I was really believing it early on. From your perspective today, Julianne, do you believe that we can navigate this reality, whatever this is, without any belief system, without telling any stories? Is that possible? Um, I think it's possible. I don't know. 
I don't know that I'm there yet. I and mean, maybe there are people who are there yet, but I, I think it's, it's possible. I think there's, there can be that level of freedom that, um, you know, where people it just, they just are just living fully, completely each moment as it is. And, and I may certainly have experiences of that, but I can't say I live there full time. <laughs> yeah, right. We tend, yeah, it's a tendency, which is part of what is to, yeah, to imagine, which is, again, relates to me to a dream. It has never been created, really. It's been, uh, we're imagining everything. Yeah. Which is interesting. Talk to me about the Velcro effect. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Velcro, yeah, grip. Yeah, so the Velcro effect is a term that Scott Killaby came up with where everything in existence really, um, our identification is because of this Velcro effect. Mm -hmm. And the Velcro effect has to do with thoughts and thoughts can be words or mental pictures, right? So if I, and they're connected to or Velcro to a body energy, which can be an emotion or a sensation of some sort. So for example, if I say the word lemon, there's the word lemon, and you get a picture of a mental picture of a lemon in your yeah. mind's eye, right? Yeah. And if you imagine tasting that lemon, your mouth might pucker up a bit. Mm. Right? Yeah, so this it does. is a very yeah. simplified version of that. Yeah. And yeah. so there's the Velcro effect. And so the way we work in inquiry is we unhook each element one at a time. So we we look at our thoughts separately from the mental pictures and separate from the whatever we're feeling in the body. And as we can see that words are just words, they just naturally move on on their own. Mm -hmm. When we see that mental pictures are just a mental picture in our mind's eye, it's not what we think it is, it falls away. And then we're just left with this emotion or sensation or energy in the body. And when we can really allow that and feel that, we see that's also just energy. It doesn't have the meaning that we thought without the Velcro. And mm -hmm. so, you know, so that can... We can use that literally with anything. Um, so I use the example of lemon, but we can use it with that deficiency story of I'm not good enough. If I pull the words off, they're just words. They fall away. They don't need to be here anymore. I'm not trying to get rid of them. That would be right. resistance, right? Right, right? So it's more about allowing and just really seeing everything for what it really is. Wow. And then I might have images of you know, evidence, right? Times that I felt not good enough. But those are just mental images. And as that relaxes, all I'm left with is the feeling in the body. And when I'm feeling that without the thoughts or the beliefs on it, then it's just energy. And when it's really allowed to be and not suppressed or repressed, mm, yeah. it's free to move through. And then that's then there's then there's nothing here. There's no sense of a self who's either good enough or not good enough. So it's not about creating the positive side. It's seeing that neither is true. Mm. And then there's just presence here. So would you say that everything is energy? Everything that's here, you, me, everything, it's energy. There's nothing that's not. You know, I used to believe that, but I had I used the unfindable inquiry on energy because I was an energy worker for so many years. Yeah. It's like, oh no, even energy doesn't exist. <laughs> right, it's not what I right. think it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So in some ways I would say yes, and in others, hmm. maybe not. <laughs> maybe yeah. it just is. But if there's no label on it. Yeah, so we call it energy. But I know when we say it just is, then it falls back to the unknown, the impossible to know. Yeah, and the, 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 th 
thing is, it's like we have to use language, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with labels or, or words. Right. You know, because we have to use them. That's how we communicate. And right. and that and that can be okay too. Yeah. As long as but we don't have to identify. We don't have to, you know, be so strongly identified as like this is it and this is the right way and the only way. And you know, so yeah. it really for if it's more about like how are we identifying with something. That really explains really well, if we can explain this, how the me and the I, it's always in relation to something. So everything arises from that. Right. Is there a me and an it that's separate from each other somehow? Yeah. And if you really explore and examine and inquire, you you find that's not true. Yeah. There isn't. That's unconditional love. I've been writing and uh, like naturally writing about it without knowing all these teachings out there. I just kind of uh, now, just recently, I have read some of the work of Tony Parsons and he used that word, unconditional love. I love that word. That's a great word to just describe life and existence. What if everything is, is really just love? Yeah, it's unconditional love. Everything mm-hmm. it's already mm-hmm. um, is it's whole, complete. There's nothing that's not. That also resonates, yeah. right? This moment's complete. There's nothing missing. Even when we are feeling broken, sad, depressed, anxious, that's wholeness. It's wholeness. It's all love. Even physical pain. Like I did a lot of inquiry into my physical pain as well, and it's like once the stories and the beliefs became unhooked from them or unvelcroed from them, I saw that that too is love. It's just amazing. It's just amazing, Julianne. Amazing. And I understand, I mean, the I, he who has experienced pain, physical pain too, I'm trying to imagine like what it's like. So many people that I talk to and I know of that suffer with um, chronic pain, physical pain every day, every moment. I'm wondering how can you do it? That amazes me even more because now we're really not attached to the body as being real or anything. Yeah. yeah. For me, I really had to look at my victim stories around it, right? Because there was a lot of, I've done everything right. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Why Why me? Mm, why me? Right. A lot of victim, 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 victim stories, yeah. right? For, yeah. for me, that's what it was all so as the stories around it left, the pain actually lightened. Mm, wow. It really did, right, Julianne? Wow. It, it really did. It didn't go away. Right. Um, yeah. But it got much more manageable. Yeah. And, you know, we've been working a lot more with chronic pain using the inquiries, like really looking at the drivers behind it. Just like we look at the drivers of addiction yeah. when we work with addiction, which, right. you know, they can be shame, deficiency stories, just all sorts of things. We look at what's behind the pain. And and a lot of times, you know, John Sarno has a book on where he talks about repressed anger. And so we've been working a lot with repressed emotions that are kind of the drivers, um, Mm. you know, behind the pain where we're actually working with a lot more people on it lately and um, really having some, some good results. I know you're writing a book too. So yeah, talk to me for a moment about the book that you're working on, The Art of Inquiry. Yes. Um, so I love to take photographs and mostly, <laughs> mostly of flowers. I just, I just love flowers. They just make me happy. So I take a lot of those and I make a calendar every year for my family with my photographs. And, and 
someone many years ago said, you should write a book because I have a lot of like pointers, a lot of little one-liners that are that people find really helpful. And I use them also in my the inquiry sessions that I do. And so I woke up one morning a few months ago with like, oh, this is my book, The Art of Inquiry. So combining my photographs with all my little pointers on inquiry, you know. Mm, yeah. So I'm working on it. It's nowhere near ready yet. I have no, I've never written a book before, so I don't know how long it will take or, you know, what's involved in all of that, but it's definitely in process. Please let me know when it's I will, out. thank you. <laughs> and I'd love to talk to you, read and talk to you about it. I love these. Um, for some reason, it's just, um, it keeps kind of inviting the body to just in the mind to get involved more and more with these uh, types of works and conversations. Yes, because it's not about bypassing the body. Yeah, right. 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 So, you know, we don't want to avoid what's actually here. And there can be a lot of that. I certainly did that for a long time. Like I just, I wanted to, didn't want to be in the body. The body was too painful, both physically and emotionally. So, but this work is all about the somatic, like, let's really be present with what's here. Let's face it and allow it just in a very gentle, safe way. Yeah. yeah it's not, it's, it's not about avoiding anything. So it's including everything, like you say, including the body. And that's what I love about it. So non-dual somatic inquiry. I never heard of this before. I have interviewed people about somatic therapy and somatic works, but not combined with the non-dual teachings. That's profound. Thank you again, Julianne, for, for um, exploring this field. I never heard of this before. That's interesting. And I will look, where are you located? Is that something that we can do it online or we have to see you in person? Um, no, it's all, all, uh, all of my work is online unless people were coming for addiction, then they could look up the Killaby Center for Recovery. It's in Rancho Mirage. So my personal website is inquirewithjulianne.com and there's information about the inquiries and, and what I do and you can, there's a work with me link where you could schedule sessions online. Um, I also do facilitator training. I also do workshops. Um, I'm also doing self-support courses where really teaching people how to use these inquiries on their own because that's really the most important part, right? Like yeah. you could come every week forever and get a session, but what you're doing between sessions is what really counts. Right. Like how present are you being in your own life? How much are you able to, to be with what's coming up for you? So I love, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, no labels piece on your blog. I would love for you to read that, Julianne. Okay. At the end of the interview. No. Great. I've got it here in front of me. So it's called No Labels. Imagine, if you will, that nothing in existence has a label. The body isn't called body. A chair isn't called chair. The self isn't called Julianne or insert your name. Yeah. A table isn't called a table. A dog isn't called a dog. A cat isn't called a cat. Fear isn't called fear. Anger isn't called anger. A flower isn't called flower. A virus isn't called virus. Love isn't called love. No labels on anything. Imagine just for a moment what life is like when we aren't naming anything. Even life isn't called life. What exists in those moments? The chair is still here. We can still sit on it. 
The body's still here, functions perfectly fine without the label. Objects are still here. Emotions are still here. Life is still here and happening on its own without any interference from us. No need to control anything. Imagine, if you will, such complete letting go control or trying to name anything or be anything. All that remains is seeing and feeling and take those labels off too. I love that. Wow, include that in your book. <laughs> I will. Thank I you. I wasn't going this. to, but now that you've said it, <laughs> I will. Thank you. I love this. Yeah, it's just, it's very clear to whatever that me is that's trying to search for something. It becomes a reminder to that. Yeah, it's a light. And I love when you talk about the sense of control. From your perspective, is there any control? Can we control anything? <laughs> well, we can certainly try to, can't we? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I still work on needing, you know, issues around needing to con- be in control. And, um, yeah. But ultimately, are we really? I mean, I think it's just an illusion when we think we are in control yeah. of anything. You know, life is happening and, and it actually flows much freer, much better when we actually let it and just follow where it's leading What a beautiful message and important one for those of us who are still holding on to the I, the me, as the center of reality. Yeah. So we are almost at the end and I have a few more questions for you, Julianne. Let me see. I think I'll ask you, yeah, I'll ask you one question because I, I don't have too many questions now. Would you like to add anything before I ask you this final question? I would say... If anything, just trust yourself, right? Be willing to look inside and trust. Be curious and trust what you're seeing and feeling inside yourself and be willing to explore it. See if it's really what you think it is. Yeah. One thing that's actually one thing that is coming to me is, you know, in my early seeking days, you know, following a lot of non-dual teachers and, and they were all wonderful. I loved them. But I woke up, and this is this is in my book, I woke up one morning thinking, all right, every non-dual teacher says the exact same thing. You already are what you're looking for. Right. So logically, because I'm very left brain, <laughs> logically, that means that every step I take looking for it is actually a step away from it. Mm. It's right, it's right here. Right. It's right here. And so whatever I was searching for can't be found out there anywhere. It has to be found in here. Thank you, Julianne, again for the clarity and the beauty of this message. Yeah, it just resonates, resonates very much with this, <laughs> uh, whoever is speaking. Thank you so much. Thank you. My last question is, if you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? If you have the control or the choice to make anything different? It's a great question. My first thought was no, but that is that that doesn't feel quite true. I think actually, um, you know, I, my mom lives on the, I live on the West Coast. My mom lives on the East Coast and my family, and I would like to just spend some more time with my mom. She's, you know, she's yeah. much older. She's got dementia. So other than that, I'm pretty happy with my life. I love what I do. So yeah, mm-hmm. I would die happy. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I love that. Die, yeah, live and die happy, right? Why not, Julianne? Why, Why not? not? 
So before we say goodbye, please uh, tell me again, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? Yes, my website is www.inquirewithjulianne.com. Wonderful. And you'll find everything there. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Bye for now, Julianne. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Julianne Ianello and her work, please visit inquirewithjulianne.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.